Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and the head coach of Canacuck Camps. It's Joe White. <laughs> Thank you, Shay. I appreciate that. You always, you always make me laugh every time you say that. I know. It's because I like to go hard on the intros. <laughs> Coach, we got our super important podcast today. Today, we're talking discipleship and our spiritual growth uh, vein of conversations. And this isn't the first time we've talked discipleship. It's something that's pretty important to us. And uh, we've brought in two amazing leaders uh, in this ministry. They happen to be phenomenal at discipleship, and we think they've got something that's something to say that's worth hearing. Coach, you want to go ahead and give them an introduction? Yeah, Shay, thank you. I, one, we're excited about discipleship because Jesus was so excited about it. It's all he did, basically. <laughs> um, and also, we're excited about it because it was his famous last words. You know, he saved his very, very chief uh uh, exhortation to say, "Hey, go make disciples." You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna take the world with this wonderful faith of salvation if we'll go make disciples. And so, Adam Donier and Pat Cohn Shea are not only two of my favorite human beings on planet Earth. They're not only two of the most uh, talented, uh, committed, uh, emerging leaders I think in our country. Um, and perhaps the world, uh, as well as obviously the work they're doing around Kaylan, but they also have the heart, Jesus's heart for disciple making. Um, Adam Donier came to us via Boise State basketball, where he was point guard for their Boise State team, and he was the captain of their basketball team. And he chose kids, he chose Kanakuk over many opportunities to be a coach. He'd probably be a head coach today of a, a very high-level Division I program. He's incredibly gifted as a basketball coach, but he loves pouring into young men and young women. And so he's been with us 15 or 20 years. He's got an incredible story that he can tell in a minute. Pat Cohn came to us also via the world of athletics where he played linebacker in a college down in Florida. And uh, But as we've gotten to know Pat, just like Adam over the years, we've sought to bring Pat in as a full-time Canacuck director, which he is today. And his, uh, Shay, a young man came to me the other day who Pat has been mentoring. And he said two things about Pat Cohn that I love, and you hardly ever see this in the same man. But he talked about his zeal for life, his enthusiasm for life, but his soft, caring, empathetic, loving heart. And, you know, you look at him and he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, senior, but his heart is incredibly tender and soft. So you've got two of the finest people, you know, we could talk to today. That is the truth. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's an honor. So, you know, one of the reasons I was excited about getting you guys in here is, you know, both of you guys have a difficult story with your dad. And... You know, there's a huge passion that has grown out of that in both of your lives. And, you know, we've been watching it for years. But, you know, God was gracious to to really bring people into your life that helped fill the void um, 
where dad should have been. And so I would love to start right there and kind of go back in your story if you care to share it. Pat, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Shay. Yeah, well, I grew up in a great Christian home, honestly. Uh, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and my family is super fun. You grew up and you knew that you're going to go to church, you know, you're going to get some sports, and you knew there was going to be some craziness. So loved it and honored that God would allow me to grow up in such an incredible family. When I was in eighth grade, my dad and mom announced to the family that we were going to move to Florida. And that was because of a job opportunity my dad had. Uh, a guy that he had poured into in college reached out and gave him a job opportunity. Well, when we get to Florida, you know, everything looks great. It's beautiful. It's like you're on vacation all the time. Well, in 2007, the recession hit. And my dad, who had provided for us all the time, I remember when he came home and told the family, hey, I have three months until uh, my friend can't pay for my salary anymore. And so be praying for me and I got to search for more. And so my freshman year, sophomore year, and junior year were just like a time of not like completely nervous because my dad always owned it. But for sure, uh, you're kind of like a little angst because you just see my dad was working two jobs. And then my junior year of high school, he's working three jobs. And so my junior year, uh, after my last football game in my junior year, the next day. The summers still had Joe. And, and so, Shay, it's just so neat, even though I grew up without a dad and mom around all the time, just how God has used discipleship, or as Joe alluded to, the Great Commission, uh, to really shape me into the man I've become today. And, and I can just sit here and tell you, with, without discipleship, there, there's no way I'm sitting on this podcast with all of you today. There's just no way. Take us a little deeper on the difference between the mentorship and discipleship. How do you qualify it? Yeah, because I had some coaches that I would say were really good mentors. They encouraged me to stay away from drugs, alcohol, make good decisions, et cetera. But they weren't challenging me in spiritual things. They they weren't like with Joe. They weren't saturating in scripture with me or, or even like a, another guy who discipled me, Kyle Under. They weren't showing me what it looked like to raise six kids, even though I only have two in a biblical manner, right? Uh, even something I've stole from Joe in his discipling of me of how he would tell me he would pray with his kiddos every night after their long day and those vulnerable moments. And that's something I've stolen with my boys. And so the, the mentors weren't leaning me towards spiritual things or biblical things. They were teaching me life, good lessons, how to be a good citizen. They, they weren't teaching me how to walk with Jesus. They weren't teaching me how to get dust from the rabbi's sandals mm -hmm. on me. And, and that's what discipleship really did with, with the men that have influenced me. Yeah. You know, Joe, you've played a significant role in all three of our lives. And, you know, we, we've watched you dedicate your life to investing in others. What, like, when did that spark or that switch flip where you just knew, like, this is what I need to do with my life. When did that happen? Yeah, Shay, I've never been asked that question before. Um, you know, when I 
finished at SMU. I went down to Texas A&M, and I was, I was working for my dad, uh, but I was also coaching football at Texas A&M. And I had a tragedy before spring training. And during that tragedy and the play out of that tragedy is, is God just broke my heart for the better. Um, I came out of there with this passion for high school kids uh, walk with Jesus. It was the strangest thing. It was like I was on an operating table. Um, and um, God did surgery on my heart, and uh, and I just came out of it. So we started, uh, uh, we built a Young Life Club in uh, College Station, Texas. And I remember kids that were lost were just breaking my heart. I still remember kids in that high school, 50-whatever years ago, that just broke my heart because they were lost. And I, and I found as I invested in kids, um, it just was, the, I don't know, it was just nothing in this world that was greater to me. Nothing in this world was greater to me than watching a young man or a young woman get on their feet spiritually and therefore be able to get on their feet emotionally and therefore push their drugs and their little vices, you know, out of their life so they could walk in a healthy way with Jesus. And then I've watched some, you know, marry well and raise children well. And um, it just, it's, I mean, you know, Jesus was, you know, he was God. He created us. And he said, this is it, this boys, this is everything, you know, go make disciples. Um, and yeah, it bit me 50 something years ago. And, and it's even, you know, I've, I just met with local high school football team last night. I've been meeting with these kids for uh, the last uh, four years. And in fact, I, and in fact, crazy, I got my schedule mixed up last night and I, and I met first with a group of guys I discipled 30 years ago and we're still buddies. And they're all now like wonderfully, you know, successful married guys with kids and stuff. And then right after that, I got to meet with the local high school football team of now 17 year olds. And uh, I don't know, it's just the greatest thing in the world. And watching Pat and Adam uh, take the baton uh, since they are our guests today, and they happen to be two of the best disciple makers I've ever met. I mean, Pat lives a life. He's a zealous guy. He's an outgoing guy. He's an enthusiastic guy. He's a linebacker, and he attacks everything like that, including disciple making. He's been discipling a group of guys ever since I've known Pat. And to watch Adam discipling his boys and discipling individuals from some of the most well-known individuals to some of the most unknown individuals. Adam doesn't care. You know, if you or your dad or your mom has anything, if you're alive and on two feet, in fact, Adam, I'd love for you to tell just a little bit about, you know, one of your discipling experiences that I'm sure you're still discipling, a guy named Stateline Abachi, who until you came along was headed for prison and headed for a life of disaster. Um, I love the way you take the least of the least, Adam. Yeah, thanks for asking, Joe. Well, when I was in Kansas City, as I alluded to, uh, I ran into a man who went by the alias Stateline Obachi, who was in the process of dealing high-level drugs and caught a federal case to where he was facing prison time. And during that process, I just started building a relationship with him, playing pickup basketball with him across the street. And God gets a hold of his heart, and I realize that he's got kids, and he's got a life, but he's got a sentence awaiting him. I talked to the superintendent and allowing me to hire him as an assistant coach. I figured if we can get him around a Christian community and just start loving on him and discipling him, and um, 
God did an amazing work in his heart and in his life. And then he went and still had a service sentence for the, the crimes he committed. And so I would visit him once a semester when he was at Forest City Penitentiary. And then they transferred him to Leavenworth Penitentiary, where I would also visit him there. And so we got him plugged into Toomey, which was a prison ministry. And so he started learning his Bible and started studying his Bible. And we'd write letters back together on our visits. We would re-engage. And then he got out and we got him a job. And all that to say, still discipling him. Now he's at home. He's married. He's with his boys. He's discipling his boys. He sends his boys to camp every summer. Uh, it's just an amazing story of, of what you said, of when we just live out what Jesus told us to do, how the Great Commission will just get legs of its own and just go out there and do the work it does. And so it's just amazing. So, And one other thing I wanted to point back to, Shay, when you asked me earlier about the mentor and the discipleship, and Joe keeps alluding to it, and I love it, is the Great Commission says, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then right after it says, teaching them all that I've commanded you. I would say that's the biggest difference between discipleship and just mentorship. Discipleship is going to teach the things that Jesus taught. And so, Adam, there was a funeral involved. Yeah. So, Joe, yeah, thanks. So, so during the time he was uh, in prison, his, his daughter was uh, accidentally murdered. Uh, a man backhanded his daughter and her crown of her head went into the stove and she died. And they let state line out on furlough, which was a 48 hour release from prison. So he could go to the, the funeral. And while he comes to the funeral, he interrupts the officiant of the funeral and goes up and tells everybody, Hey, I want you all to know that I forgive the man who did this. And the only way I'm able to forgive him is because I know that Christ has forgiven me. Oof. And, and uh, needless to say, there wasn't a dry eye in the entire downside, downtown Kansas City church that day. And um, the power of Jesus, it is just all the power of Jesus. And um, so, yeah, so um, it's, a, it's an amazing story. And it's amazing now what his sons Darius and Ryan are doing too. And just seeing the, the godly young men those guys are growing up to be because of their dad's influence. Shay, one of the biggest problems in America is the problem of penitentiary life and prison life and uh, the problem of coming back to prison again and again when parole finally happens. And I've seen in my work in prisons and Adam has seen how, again, bringing Jesus to life in somebody else's life how it brings them not only out of prison, but also into a great, successful family life experience. Mm -hmm. Discipleship changes everything. There's no barriers that disciple-making won't break down. That's right. What would you guys say the key is for um, successful discipleship? How's, how, do you, how do you do that? There's two things I think about, Shay. One is it kind of bothers me when people ask the how question, when they start trying to get into the nitty gritty and be like, well, I can't disciple because I don't know how to do it. And, and what do I teach them? And I look at them and I'm like, listen, my life was changed when I was 16 years old. I don't remember anything they taught me. I don't. Like there's probably things that I could pull out. The, the first thing to answer your question is the when. A person just needs to decide is it today that I'm going to start discipling? Or if you need to be discipled, hey, am I going to seek somebody out today? Mm. I think the first thing is just they have to, have to answer that question. The how and some of the other uh, X's and O's 
will come, but they have to. If they're going to disciple or be discipled, they have to decide, and then they got to go all in. That's my first thought. Yeah, it's 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 Pat said it's it's you know it's it's just be there. Yeah, and as Adam said, you have a Bible in your hands, but it's just showing up. Adam's walking down the hallway. He's coaching basketball a few years ago in a local high school, and he's working with high school students. He's walking down the hallway, and he runs into a young man that's in special ed who no male had probably ever paid attention to. What, he's 6'5", Adam? What happened that day? Yeah, so there was just a special needs kid in Hollister High School that was getting pushed to the cracks, and obviously I was interested in him at first because he's 6'6", and a big man, mountain of a man, and, you know, that— translates to the basketball court, but then realizing there's so much more to him and just pouring in and discipling him, how much he came to life, ends up being student of the month, ends up graduating. They said, never do that. Ends up getting accepted into college. They said he'd never do that. Ends up getting married, ends up having a baby, asked me to be the godfather. And so once again, just another story of discipleship of seeing a young man come to life uh, because someone's pouring into him. Shay, back to your question, and, and I know there's a bunch of sweet mommies listening to, like, how do you disciple? How do you have time when you have, and your wife, she's got six kiddos running around the Robbins household, and you have so many kids. I, I want to encourage any mama that's listening, that is that is your disciples. Mm-hmm. Like, that, 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 there's so much beauty in that, and, and I hate that culture's trying to rob this from moms and dads, that, that there's something wrong about being a mom at home that's discipling her children well. That, that's memorizing scripture with them, that's tucking them better. That is beautiful. Proverbs 31 says it's beautiful. So God says it's beautiful. And then even his dads, like the, the most important person I can disciple right now is Aiden and Anders, my six and eight year old. And for you, it's Knox, man. And, and so I completely agree with what P. Cone and Joe said too. Moms, you don't have to have a theology degree to disciple your kiddos well. So much of discipleship for me was watching Joe paint the tennis courts himself or scrape the paint off or rake leaves himself and watch him live out Jesus, the greatest servant of all. Now I'm seeing servanthood modeled. I'm seeing him wash the dishes in his house for his wife. I'm seeing him take out the trash. I'm watching him walk like Jesus, right? As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11:1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That is discipleship. So I often say this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when they know how much you care, Dave, State Line Abachi, Joe, P. Cohen and his guys as disciple them, that opens this door for so many deeper spiritual conversations. Yeah. And, you know, to just credit, he opened his door to your life, you know, like, and, and invited you into his life. And I think, you know, we can all say that. But that's what Jesus was so masterful at, is he said, come follow me, like, come with me. And what, what I've learned just, you know, as, as I have my own tribe growing, different responsibilities, when I was younger, I would wake up in the morning and I would go have breakfast, you know, with people and lunches. And now I'm like, I don't. I wake up and I spend time with my kids and I say no to every breakfast and a lot of lunches I run home. But you know what I tell those guys? I'll be doing chores on Saturday morning. Come help me out. All right. We're building the barn. I have about a half dozen guys who help me bur- build our barn. <laughs> and, an oak, and, and a goat pen. That's right. And a goat pen. <laughs> and 
I mean, that is the richest time because they get to see my interactions when the kids run up and they get to see our home and they get to sit down and, you know, make them some eggs and coffee. And they just, that's, that's sharing life. And that's what you see as you read the gospels, you see Jesus like walking with these men. They went on an adventure together. And so Shea Pat uh, was so zealous and so committed to disciple making that, as you pointed out earlier, came from those men who came into his life when he lost his dad, that Kennecuck turned our whole emphasis of our whole camping system into disciple making of our campers and counselors. And we hired Pat right out of college, I think, uh, to come lead the Kennecuck discipleship movement. Uh, Pat, could you just talk for a second about, I don't know, didn't you have like 400-something groups this year after camp was over? <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, it's not a new idea, so we don't need to be like, Kanika did anything special. Discipleship's been around for a long time, but at camp, kids are only there for a week, two weeks, and then that's it. And so camp, Coach, your vision, which we just put in action, was if a kid leaves camp, they can be poured into by their counselor all year long if they want it. And so before Zoom became a big thing about five years ago, we were just like, hey, get on phone calls. We'll give you Bible study material. Go for it. We obviously gave them more direction than that, but that's it. And so now it's unbelievable what God's doing. Stories after stories. And now I'll get screenshots from K-Country, K-1, and high school camps, but you'll just see a screen full of people from around the country on the phone together or on a Zoom call together diving in God's Word. And just to take that up a notch, uh, and we're trying to do that with our staff too. We hire staff from all over the country, all over the world. And last week, I've had three weeks of Bible study calls with guys from Egypt, Canada, and across the country. That's what camp's doing. Mm. We put Zoom on the map, man. That's right. We're helping Zoom out. <laughs> now we're all Zooming. <laughs> Donye, talk about your ministry. I mean, another discipleship ministry that's popped up under the K umbrella. Tell us about what you're up to. Yeah, Link here. And, you know, it's funny. Joe and I dreamt this up 12 years ago, and I didn't ever know if it'd come to fruition, but Joe's heart for discipleship allowed it to. And now we run Link here, and it's for high school graduates that want to take what they've received at camp, or maybe they weren't even campers, but to really get discipled and poured into and have leaders and disciplers that are going to point them back to the creator. I, I say it this way all the time. If we wanted to know why we were created, wouldn't it make sense that we spend time with the one who created us and mentors and disciplers that point us back to the one who created us? And so Linkier has been discipling young students now for the last decade. And we have alumni that are pastors of churches, missionaries, CEOs. It, it's just unbelievable what, what God has done through the discipleship of Linkier. And he has a couple of basketball teams in this student body of about 80 students. 20 of those kids, more or less, are on these two basketball teams. The one team that Adam coaches just was runner-up national champions. He's won national champion once already and regional champions a couple of times. But, uh, but these kids predominantly are city kids, predominantly urban kids uh, who will go play basketball D1 level around the country. Uh, but they get a year with Adam to get deep in their faith. 
and then they go off to college to be role models in the locker rooms of these college teams. In fact, he's got one young man who's already playing pro ball uh, for the Houston team. But, Adam, I, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen God bless you with. Tell us about your basketball team. It was fun because you always ask me what I'm dreaming. I remember seven years ago I told you I was dreaming of putting more Tim Tebow's on campuses. And what I meant by that is college athletes have the greatest platform for discipleship than anybody on a college campus. And so what would it look like if we discipled those athletes and then they go off to the St. John's and the Arkansas and the Tulsa's and, and they use that influence for Christ? Well, you ought to meet these kids, Shay. I mean, they're big kids and they're great players. They've been selected from coaches all over the country who now know Adam and have come out here to see Adam and his program. Well, they want these kids to be under Adam because he not only makes them the best basketball player they can be, but he also builds up their faith mm-hmm. and makes them truly, truly heartfelt basketball leaders That's on their right. team. And Adam, you, those, the, the students, are, they're the humblest, sweetest people. How do you get these wonderful, wonderful young men to come here? The Lord. I think the Lord just tears them. I tell, I tell every, every one of them every year, like, you think you're here by accident, but God knows what he's doing. He's got a plan for your life, and he brought you right here for a reason. And so, Beautiful. Coach, I want to send it back to you for the final charge. If, if somebody's sitting there and they're thinking— Okay, I feel inspired. I buy into the value of discipleship. Where do I begin? How how can I find somebody? What what advice would you give them? Well, Shay, uh, you know one of the most fun things when I work with Dr. Dobson on radio is when he'd look at you and he'd go, "We need to keep this broadcast going," and you you know you'd love it because you'd get into a story like this, and you know I can't wait, Pat and Shay uh, and Adam, to be able to dig deeper into some of these stories. Of, of State Line and of Big Dave and of, you know, how y'all came out of your the tragedies with your own home life. Uh, these are stories, Shay, that can be told, you know, in a whole lot deeper way. So, um, you know, Adam referred to the verse, Shay, imitate me as imitate Christ. We're all so fallen. We're all so fallen. We all need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. But as Pat said, that's not the issue. The issue is, do you really care? Mom, do you really care? Dad, do you really care? Deeply, for not just your kids to raise them to graduation from high school, but to raise them for eternity. And if you do, if you really care about your players or the men or women who are working around you in the cubicles in your business building or wherever you are, (laughs) there's Timothy's everywhere. If you really care, then you will find time to bring the Timothy's in by prayer to your life and to invest yourself spiritually with your children as you lay them down at night or as you bring them to breakfast or as you write them notes on their their little bag going to school, their lunch bag. You put scripture in their lunch. I mean, just you, you'll take time to invest in the people around you spiritually. And if you do, without a doubt, it is the greatest investment, greatest 401k, the greatest stock portfolio, the greatest whatever you call investments in your world. It's the great investment, greatest investment you'll ever make. Hmm. That's a good note to end on, isn't it, boys? Well, Pat, Donye, thank you so much for joining us today. We sure appreciate the 
just the inspirational approach you guys take to life and investing in others. And we want to thank our audience for spending time with us. We hope that today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to spiritual growth. And with that, we'd love to pray for you. Father, we come to you today and we just pray that um, that these words, that this charge, that the Great Commission, um, that, that we'd take it to heart and, and that our audience would take the challenge and that they would begin to to raise up Christ followers. I pray for anybody who feels like they, they need help growing in their faith. I want to pray, God, that you would give them the courage, uh, number one, to find somebody, and then number two, to ask, you know, would you be willing to invest in me? And uh, we pray ultimately, God, for our country, God, that um, that we'd get to see a, a spiritual revolution take place in our lifetime. In so Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com.